this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Followed Philip everywhere astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought that you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will, give you, he will forgive you for having such a thought in your mind, in your heart. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. When they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Thank you, James. Good morning. Really good to see you all. Good to be here. As, uh, as James said, I'm in Burton next week. John and I are doing a swap. So he'll be preaching here. I'll be preaching in Burton. So look after him. Treat him gently. <coughs> and I'm looking forward to seeing what God's doing uh, in Burton. And uh, just remind you and ask you again, keep praying for them, please, as we're uh, planting into Burton. Uh, still early days, but going well. We're very encouraged, particularly praying for a, uh, a new venue uh, to meet in there. I'm sure John will update you more next week, but that'll be a, a key um, prayer point. So please keep praying for them. So we come to Acts chapter 8, which uh, James has kindly read to us trying to save what little voice I have for the preach. I reckon I've got about two and a half hours left of it, so you're, you're good for a moment. <clears throat> and so, as we saw last week, we had the stoning of Stephen and uh, Paul persecuting the church. And now, as we've read, a great persecution breaks out uh, across Jerusalem uh, to the early church. And I guess that story of persecution is one that's really been the story of the church ever since. I mean, not in every place and every time, but if you look at the great sweep of history, there have been many times of great persecution uh, across the church in different lands at uh, different periods of history. And I think, to be honest, it's only something that's increasing. If you look at the, how the church is doing across the world now, there are nations like ours in which we're free to meet and, and gather and preach and so on. Uh, and there are nations where they are most certainly not free to do that in any way whatsoever. 
and increasingly um, many countries uh, it's a dangerous thing to say you're a Christian and that you follow Jesus. That's not our case at the moment in this country. But for many brothers and sisters around the world, that is their, that is their story even today. But very often, what you find in places where there's great persecution, there's also great blessing and great advance and great kingdom growth. And blessing and fruitfulness, or uh, <coughs> blessing and, uh, I, I guess, persecution, seem to go together. And so we're going to look at some things today, because that's the story of what we hear, read here in Acts 8. There's great advance, there's great uh, kingdom blessing, there's great fruitfulness, but it's in the context of great persecution. And so we can look at three things, and if you're making notes, you can write down these headings to make sure I get to them. Number one, scattering and speaking. Number two, Simon and sorcery. And number three, the spirit and signs. Do you like that? That's good, isn't it? That's a lot of work getting those. <laughs> I got two and I thought, I've got to get the third now. I've got to get the third. <laughs> scattering and speaking. Simon and sorcery, and the Spirit and signs. Shall we pray and ask God to be with us? Father, we thank you for your word that's been read to us. God, we thank you for the presence of your Spirit as we've worshipped you. And now as we look at your word together, we pray, would you come and speak to us, God? Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher? Would you help us not only to understand what we've read, but would we apply the truths of your word to our lives? We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so number one, scattering and speaking. So if you've got your Bibles with you, please keep them open because we'll refer to some verses as we go through. So we see in uh, the very first bit of Acts chapter 8, it says that Paul approved of their killing him. That's the killing, the stoning of Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered. And we find, by the time we get to verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And so we see that everybody scatters, other than the apostles, everyone goes. Everyone scattered. But also, do you, read, do, you, do you see what it says here in verse 4? Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. What it doesn't say is the preachers amongst them and the teachers found a stage and uh, a you know, first century PA system and preached the gospel. doesn't say that. What we're told here is that those who had been scattered, the implication being all of those who had been scattered... Preach the word wherever they went. There's a scattering and there's a speaking. And it seems that everybody is involved in this. And I guess too often we can, in our minds at least, subcontract the preaching of the gospel to those whom we deem are professional at it. Well, let me let you into a secret. Those who you may deem as professional at it are perhaps not as professional as you may see, as it may seem. But also, the Bible doesn't say that that's the only people 
who should be preaching the gospel. Actually, it's really clear that everybody who was, was scattered was telling their friends about Jesus. It wasn't just those who were gifted and anointed to preach and to teach in the way that we may, assume, may talk of those things. So everybody is involved here. Everyone's scattered and everyone is speaking. And isn't it interesting, the scattering <coughs> that Satan designed to persecute the church and to harm the church, God uses it for good. What Satan designs to harm, God uses for good. I don't know if there'll be much worth writing down that I say this morning, but that sentence is definitely worth it. That which Satan designs for harm, God used for good. And you know what? God hasn't changed. Isn't it so often the way? You see, by this persecution, the church grows and reaches new locations and new peoples. Those that hadn't yet had an opportunity to respond to the gospel now get an opportunity to respond to the gospel because of the persecution that Satan designed. He designed it for harm, but God used it for good. Maybe the early church didn't like the idea of witnessing very much. Maybe the early church was much, much like most of the 20th, 21st century church. Oh, I'm not sure I like this idea of witnessing. It's great for Ray and Derek and John and some others to get out on the streets because that's their thing. They're good at that. But, whoa, no, that's not me. It's not what we read, is it? Everyone was involved here. Everyone had a part to play. And they may not have liked the idea of witnessing, but the persecution forced it upon them. This was not something they designed, but as we've already said and made very clear, God used it for good and for his purposes. You see, God can overrule in any circumstance, in any situation, and bring good from it. So often we look at what's going on around us, what's ahead of us, what is affecting us, and think, what is going on? And sometimes we can think, you know, how did this happen? Sometimes we find ourselves in situations of our own making. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where clearly it's an enemy attack against us. But friends, you know what? God can still be at work. Because God loves to be at work. And that which the enemy intended for harm, God from it brought good. I feel some of you need to hear that today. I really do. That which the enemy intended for harm, God will use for good. I just want to let that land for a moment because as I was preparing and praying this week, I, I wrote some notes and I thought, ah, oh, I think that's what God wants to say. And I think for some of you this morning, that's what you need to hear. Because you can think, oh, what's going on? You know, it feels like an enemy attack. And how can any good come for it? Look at this passage, friends. 
you think, how can any good come from the persecution of the church like this? The stoning of Stephen, everyone's scattered. Isn't that it? Isn't it over now? No, no, this is just the beginning. Because through it, now the gospel is going to other people, other people groups. Different people are getting the opportunity to hear the good news of the gospel that until this point they did not have. Isn't that good? That which the enemy intended for harm, God used for good. If you feel you need to hear that this morning, just raise your hand where you are. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I want to pray right now for those who have got their hands raised that, Lord Jesus, they would know that that which the enemy intended for harm you can use for good. Lord, I pray the truth of that will land this morning. If nothing else is remembered from what I say, God, I pray that they would remember that and Holy Spirit, you would apply the truth of it to every situation, to every heart, and to every life. That God, it wouldn't be something that is just known in the head, but Father, something that will be experienced in life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That which the enemy intended for harm, God used for good. Okay, let's keep going. So, as we've said, the early church grew not through a few gifted communicators on a big stage, but rather through many very ordinary Christians witnessing and talking to their friends. Jesus had so transformed their lives that they could not help but to talk about it and to tell other people about it. They left jobs and homes and families when they left Jerusalem but as they made new circles of friends, these friends got to hear about Jesus. And this transformed their lives. And so the kingdom of God advanced, the church grew, and that which the enemy intended for harm, God used for good. Let me read you a story from uh, Phil Moore's book about Acts. He talks about a visit to the Natural History Museum in London. Who's been there? Lots of you have been there, so maybe you've seen this exhibit, depending on when you've been, I guess. <clears throat> like most of London's museums, the Natural History Museum is full of interactive puzzles for children. And like most of London's parents, I like to do the children's puzzles for myself. Here is one that really spoke to me. Let's see if you can answer it. Okay, so listen up. Let's see if you can answer this. Paying attention. You ready? There will be a test. There are two lilies in five square miles of water. Each lily reproduces every day, so that on day two, there are four lilies. On day three, there are eight lilies, and so on. The lilies take four months to cover two and a half square miles of water. How many more days will it take them to cover the rest of the lake? Any answers? One day. Well done. Give that man a prize. 
some of the scripture. I have no chocolate to, to, to throw, which is disappointing. I'm sorry. But you win anyway. There we are. The answer is, of course, only one day. Even though it took the lilies four months to cover, the, cover half of the water, since, here, listen to this, since every lily is actively reproducing, they will finish the job in only one more day. So long as every lily keeps on playing its part, their exponential growth potential is limitless. Do you see the link here? So it was in the early church. The Christians were scattered into every area of their local communities. The growth potential for the lilies, and indeed for the church, is limitless. If every lily plays its part, and if every Christian plays their part. Good puzzle, isn't it? I like puzzles like that. So, as things multiplied, the effect was exponential. The church grew. So let me ask you a question. Are you scattered and speaking, or are you secure and silent? Are you scattered and speaking, or are you secured, are you secure and silent? I had an email just this week from a friend of mine who is uh, part of a church in China. I'm not going to tell you where. And uh, just in the last week, they experienced persecution in their church. So this is happening, friends, right now, in different places around, around the world. My friend is scattered into that community and speaking about Jesus. But what about you? Are you scattered into your community? Are you speaking of Jesus? Or are you sort of secure and silent? So let me ask you, do your colleagues at work know of your Christian faith? Does your neighbour know why you're out early every Sunday morning? God calls us to be scattered and to speak. It doesn't have to be scattered into another nation. It doesn't have to be even scattered into another town. It may be scattered into your community, into your road, into your place of work or your place of study, in your group of friends. The early church was scattered by persecution. And that may happen to us one day. But right now, you could be scattered by choice, by living intentionally, by seeing yourself as scattered into communities that need to know God and speaking of him. So I guess if I was asked the question, do you want to be scattered by choice or by persecution? My guess is that most of us would say, thank you, we'll take the choice option, please. Might I suggest it would be good for us to do that? We don't want to have persecution forced upon us as the only way in which we're scattered and go telling of our faith. Let's live by choice intentionally to tell others of Jesus in order that not only do we read of the early church being scattered and speaking, but rather it could be said of us that we don't just gather on a Sunday, 
but we're scattered into our communities and speak of Jesus. Naomi, can you just pass me that water, please? <coughs> Thank you very much. Is that all right? Scattered and speaking. Okay. <coughs> Point two, Simon and sorcery. <coughs> so Simon clearly is someone who recognized power. Obviously, his power was occultish in nature. We're told that he was a sorcerer. However, Simon the sorcerer encountered Philip the evangelist. This was an interesting encounter. Just a couple of chapters earlier, do you remember how um, Philip had been chosen to wait on tables? One of the seven that was, was, was chosen there. But this was no uh, menial task. The apostles and the church had chosen seven faithful men full of the Spirit and wisdom for this task. And now in the scattering, we find that Philip moves from having a responsibility, yes, but a uh, largely practical one, it seems, uh, of serving those in need. He becomes this powerful, miracle-working evangelist. What a transformation to go from waiting on tables to miracle-working evangelist. That seems like quite a, quite a journey, doesn't it? But that's what we read of here. So we're told that Philip preached the gospel in Samaria with signs and wonders following. Many were healed. Many were set free. And according to verse 8, we're told that there was great joy in that city. I love that phrase. It's a great description. There. there was great joy in that city. Philip brought, brought great joy to Samaria. You know what? We should be those who bring great joy to our city as well. Don't you believe that? Are you somebody who brings great joy to your community, to your road, to your place of work, to areas where you have influence, to the city or the town or village where you live? Friends, we should be known as people who bring great joy wherever we are. We're told that because of Philip's preaching the gospel, people were miraculously healed and saved and set free. There was great joy. You know what? I want to be someone who brings great joy. And my prayer would be that you do too. You see, it's not about Philip being a happy person. It's not just that he had a happy disposition and was, you know, it was fun to be around. And I'm sure he did have a happy disposition. That's probably the case. But it's not about that. It's about the message that he brought. You see, he brought a message not of condemnation, but rather he brought a message of joy, of life, of forgiveness, of hope. What a great message to hear. What a great person to be around. So let me ask you, are you a joy giver? Are you a life giver? Are you somebody who brings that sort of feel to wherever you are? See, too often I think Christians are known for being miserable and against things. Now, it's true, sometimes we need to stand against things. I get that, we do. 
there are moments in time when we need to take a stand and say, no, we, we can't go along with that, whatever it might be. And we have to take a stand against something. There are moments for that. But listen, there are a whole load more times when it would be better to be known to be for something, for love and joy and peace and hope and righteousness and community transformation and the gospel affecting a whole city. Wouldn't it be great to be known for those things that bring good to a city, to bring good to a community, to bring life and joy? It's wonderful, isn't it? That's what we find here. And we're told there was great joy in that city. Friends, I would love to pick up a Derby Telegraph and read of great joy in a community because of something that the church was doing and the gospel was having an effect. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you love to see that? Well, you know what? We're not going to see it just by sitting here and saying, well, that'd be nice to see. It'll happen by each of us saying, what is God calling me to do? What's my place in that? What can I do in my little way, in my community, in my street, in my place of work, or with my friends? Because you know what? If we all do that, what a difference we could make. If it was just one lily that was doing the reproducing, and the rest were just going, that's nice, carry on, you're doing a good job. How long would have it taken for the lilies to fill the lake? Not sure. Haven't worked that one out. But actually, they were all reproducing. That's why it happened so quickly in that illustration we had a moment ago. Anyway, back to Simon. <clears throat> we're told that he believed and was baptized. Now, the apostles in Jerusalem get to hear about what's happening here. And so they send Peter and John to see what's going on. And Peter and John pray for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Now we'll come back to that in a moment. But let's just stay with Simon for a second. He sees this and he wants this ability as well to lay his hands on people and for them to receive the Holy Spirit. And so he, unwisely, offers Peter and John money to have that ability. They rebuke him quite strongly and he appears to repent. Let's realize that the gift of the Holy Spirit is not for our own promotion. We receive the Holy Spirit to empower us to live for Jesus. It's all about Him. It always has been. It's not about you, it's all about Him. The gift of God was never to be used for your own ends or mine. But rather the Holy Spirit is given to empower and to equip you to advance the kingdom of God in the earth. I came across a quote recently from a, a preacher I was watching. It said this, the enemy of anointing is ambition. The enemy of anointing is ambition. Is that so true? God's gifts are not given to advance you, to impress others, but rather to advance his kingdom what he wants to do in the earth it's all about him amen
Okay, so we've talked about scattering and speaking, Simon and sorcery. Let's quickly look at spirit, the spirit and signs. Let's think about Simon for a second. He was an experienced sorcerer. I think we can safely assume that he was used to seeing power at work. Not godly power, we're talking satanic power here. But seeing power was not an unusual thing for him. I think that's safe to say. But when he sees the power of the Holy Spirit at work, he wants that. He sees power at work and wants that. He wants the ability to impart the gift of the Holy Spirit to others, and he offers Peter and John money, as we've said already. What do you think had caused that desire? It must have been that he saw significant power at work. Now, Simon had an unhealthy, ungodly desire for the power of the Holy Spirit. What about us? Do we have a healthy and godly desire for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? I'm suggesting that many of us do. I know many of you, and you do have that godly desire for the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. But I think it's fascinating that you get somebody who's so experienced in seeing power of an ungodly nature, when he sees godly power, he's like, I want that. Wow, I want that. That must have been something significant. Must have been impressive for him to respond in that way. And friends, I'm more and more convinced that God wants to move in increasing power in our lands. And I'm more and more convinced that we need to see God move in increasing power in our lands if there is any hope for seeing this land transformed. Do you believe that? Believe that God wants to move in increasing power. So are we asking him for that? Are we coming to him and saying, God, would you move? As we look at our nation, as we pick out our newspapers, as we hear the news read to us, what is our response? Is it, God, we need you to move? Friends, we really do. We really do need him to move. But I feel that too often we're content with too little. Too often we put God in a box and don't believe that he can do any more than the parameters we put around him. We're content with too little. We give up too soon. But I believe God wants to do so much more. We back off, don't pursue it because we're too easily satisfied or too easily become content with what we have, even if that's not very much. We've talked lots in recent years about being hungry for the presence of God. And I think we are a church that is hungry for the presence of God. That's important. But we need to to be a church that is hungry for God's power. Not for our own ends or our own promotion, but because we need to see him at work in our land and see this nation transformed. I want to encourage us. Let's be those who push through. Let's be those who go for all that God has for us, who don't give up, who keep on trusting him and keep on keeping on. 
if we're going to have the same sort of effect that the early church had in terms of a wider society, we're going to need the same confidence and boldness that they had to step out, to be scattered, and to speak. We need to have the same attitude to be gossiping the gospel wherever we go and to whomever we find ourselves speaking to. And we need to be asking God for more and more power at work in our land. Let's be asking for the Holy Spirit and signs. For the Holy Spirit and miraculous signs to accompany the preaching of his word. And I don't just mean from a stage somewhere, but in every conversation that you have, that I have with neighbours, friends, colleagues. Let's be trusting God to move in power as we share something of our faith and share the gospel with people. <clears throat> let's be trusting God for power to be at work as well. Amen? Does that sound... Do you want to be part of that? You know, our vision is to be a vibrant community shaped by the Spirit, equipped by the Word, and sent to the nations. We see all these things in this passage. We see a vibrant community that was shaped by the Spirit, equipped by the Word, and sent to the nations. Maybe this should be our go-to passage, actually, because we see it all there. I believe that God wants us to see all that in Jubilee. I really do. That we would see more of these things in our day and our time, in our city, in our neighbourhood, in our lives, for his glory. Amen? Can we stand together? I'd love, to, love us to pray as we close. Perhaps the band could... Come back up, please. I'd love us to finish with a song in a moment, please. <clears throat> I've been thinking, what do I do now? I often think, what do I do now when I'm up here? You might not know that. That's mostly goes to what goes through my head. Now what do I do? And I guess if as I was to say, well, why don't you come forward and we're going to pray if you want to see more of God at work, I'm guessing all of us would come. That's my assumption, the vast majority of us at least. Because I think we'd all say, you know, I want to see God at work. I want to see more of him at work in my life and in my community and the places that I, I reach and such. So assuming that you'd all come, I'm going to pray for all of us. Because I think it's on our hearts, isn't it? And my prayer is that it wouldn't take a persecution to scatter us. We're good at gathering. I want to pray that we would be good at being scattered. And in the scattering, we would learn to speak. Is that okay? So I'm going to pray. I'm trusting you would all respond to that sort of thing anyway. And then we'll close with a song. Okay? Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for what we've read and looked at this morning. And Lord, thank you for that which Satan designed for harm, you used for good. And Lord, thank you for the truth of that in our lives now. Thank you that we can respond to that and you can apply it to our hearts. 
But as well as that truth, Father, I pray this morning that we would see the truth of the effect it had when the early church was scattered. And Father, whilst it was a persecution that caused it, in the scattering as they went, the church grew and your kingdom advanced. And so we pray this morning for each of us, God, that you would scatter us into our local communities, into our streets and our neighbourhoods, into our places of work and leisure. That, God, wherever we would go, we would be those who speak of you. And, God, we pray not just for speaking, but for signs. We pray the Holy Spirit would be at work powerfully amongst us. That, God, it might be said of this place that there was great joy in that city. Because of what you are doing. Father, it's all about you. It's all about your glory. And so we pray that God, would you be at work to bring glory to your name. And we pray for our city and we say, God, would there be great joy in this place. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning. Because of what you are doing through your church. We say, God, would you use each of us in it? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing as we close. Thanks, guys.